if oh, it's down. You smile. Yeah, fuck it. moved to a farm <laughs> well so it, se it seemed like a good idea at the time and by at the time it seemed like always a great idea except for my day job made certain that i traveled 72 percent of my time oh. and i also owned a house in another state and so when i was not allowed to travel anymore and i was stuck in the city of washington dc i'm like this doesn't feel like the right space for me so i'm just gonna move to a farm so i did the end but so but that, that's your house in dc no that's not your house in dc no, I moved to a farm north of D.C., so it's up on the 270 corridor. Oh, so that's a place we're talking about, like, up in Damascus, right? Okay. C. Yeah. Farm fresh eggs, or what are you focusing on? Um, complete organic um, vegetables, eggs, and uh, fruits, and we won't eat the horses. We will just use the horses as alternative forms of transportation after the fuel runs out. Gas is so cheap, it's not going to run out, though. <laughs> Can we discuss how gas is like $1.79 in D.C. right now, and I don't know what to do with this life? It's a buck ten here, and I have an electric car. <laughs> I haven't left my house in three weeks, so I have no idea. what. I'm out of Denver, but I, I, hear, it's, I hear it's pretty low. Hey, Dave. Got to turn on your video. Was your was your mega beard? If it's still mega beard, or if you cut it down for the for the apocalypse? I feel like he trimmed it, but I really want Dave to trim it to say COVID. Oh, Dave, <laughs> you need to do the COVID haircut. You need to trim it into all of the hair. <laughs> oh wow! Ooh, that's a nude look. <laughs> no, that's not. That's Jesus look. That's pretty old. Dave is also muted, so he can't give us snarky comments. <laughs> Ah, thought I was. There you go. Yeah, no ZZ Top beard yet, but uh, I'm working on it. You're working on it? <laughs> yeah, no, I trimmed it not too long ago, so now I got to grow it back up. So let's just let's go ahead and get this started then. Um, so I this because Silas and I had a kind of a failed experiment a couple weeks ago with the with the live podcast, and it was just it was time pressure and stuff. We didn't get the technology right. <laughs> I decided to do, to do this and let's just make this happen. <laughs> so. Uh, right around the beginning, right around January, I started calling 2020 the year of SAR mm -hmm. because of Umbra Labs, ICI, and, um, and URSA. <laughs> I didn't realize it was also be a SAR virus being the coronavirus. So in my brain, my brain being what it is, said, oh, we could have a podcast about the two SARS, right? So we could talk about like, you know, let's do the first half like COVID-19 stuff. Mm -hmm. And then we'll do the second half talking about the uh, the SARS startups that's really are just there. Or we can just free flow. It doesn't matter. We just all just can just talk. Not the same time, obviously. But I am recording this, and I'm going to post this on the internet. So if anyone has an issue with that, you can drop off or I can edit you out. But I'm just assuming that you don't because you're here. And I also appreciate Carrie's background. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> she hasn't said a word yet. Nice. What is that map, Gary? Yeah, what is that map, Gary? Gary, what's, what's the map? Uh, I, well, it's a map of Portland, obviously, but uh, I've had it as like a desktop background for forever, so I don't know who the illustrator is anymore. I have to go look. <laughs> That's fine. You, know, you don't have to retribute. This is, this is an open source application. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
so since <laughs> Rachel's in the thick of this, let's start with her. Rachel, so what are what's the Colorado Emergency Management Department doing with COVID? Um, so from what I understand, we're mostly focusing on supplies. Um, we've pretty much drained our nearest um, national stockpile. Um, our, our, as I understand it, there are 12 of them throughout the country. Um, and so the one closest to us has pretty much, it's like empty. Um, so we're focusing on that. We're currently also focusing on drugs for ventilators. Supposedly ventilators don't really work well if you don't have the drugs to go with them. No, what you, are they, you, sedatives? No, um, it, uh, it, 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 um, uh, it numbs your throat so you don't regurgitate. Ah, okay. I did not know that. Um, so we've Is been focusing on- pro tips. What? Is this where we say pro tips? Yeah, pro tips. I've been I've been incubated with a with a respirator before. So I see. Um, so we're doing a lot of like logistical managing of um, of supplies. We've just opened a field hospital at the convention center, um, and we're documenting. We're starting. We're moving into the recovery phase um, in terms of like looking at how you know, Colorado has been impacted by, you know, people staying at home, people sheltering in place, what the economy looks like, what are people asking for with regards to resources, how many unemployment claims have there been in the last month or so. Um, so we're, we're starting to look at that. Um, we're going to start looking at like fatalities and deaths and um, body storage um, and what, what that looks like, um, you know, where, where can we put people, where are there, are there any like ice hockey rinks nearby? Where are the ice trucks? Where do we, where do we put people? Um, yeah. Well, there's, there's, a, there's, are, a bit, there's, there's a big curling thing over in Lakewood. Uh, Golden actually, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably also, um, an option. And then I specifically have been looking at excuse me, uh, critical infrastructure. Um, so documenting like what infrastructure has been hit hardest by COVID-19 in terms of like staff members getting um, COVID-19 um, and then documenting feeding sites throughout Colorado for feeding um, school children. So yeah. yeah. It's just funny because, you know, we all look at this from a data perspective, right? But you're like kind of in the thick of it. Right. Yeah. Sharing data, getting data has been really difficult, a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Like people are just not wanting to share. Um, there's a lot of tension around what can be public knowledge and what can't be public knowledge. Um, there was this big, you know, we have a lot of stakeholders who don't have access to ArcGIS online. So, um, you know, we need to share these dashboards that we're making with them and how do we do that unless we make that dashboard public. Mm. So it's been like this really big struggle of like, how do we make sure that people who need access to the things that we're making to the dashboards, to the apps, to the, to the web maps, how do we make sure that they have access to that? Um, and so Esri called me up last week or whatever and told us about surge pricing so i'm trying really hard to convince people at the top to pay for surge licensing which would allow if i understand it correctly it would allow people who have creator licenses to give an uncapped number of viewer licenses to anybody who's involved in the response work right um so that would be really beneficial but I'm, ha I'm like hitting brick walls trying to get people to see the benefit in this. Mm -hmm. um, so all yeah, of sure. that has been a challenge. Yeah, Dave Silas and I, and to a certain extent Liz, I'll feel your pain. <laughs> <laughs> We've been in those emergency management situations where it's like, where you're trying to navigate the, uh, the nav you're trying to navigate the political stuff, the, uh, the contracting and how can we get this done and how many ArcGIS licenses we need, blah, blah, blah. If, when you're in that world and then you know trying to share data with people i mean dave used to come to heifeld meetings pimping his massive awesome data set all the time and no one wanted 
<laughs> Nobody could figure out how to use it. Now, 10 years later, all of a sudden, people are like, hey, what was that stuff? <laughs> now they're interested. It's like, gee, you know. <laughs> chug, Liz, chug. <laughs> I had to. Uh, I have to get the peaches out. <laughs> what are you drinking? Filthy. Yeah. Sangria. Yeah. So we have, we, I had to integrate so many different agencies onto the ArcGIS uh, operations dashboard that was the heart of the common operational picture we created. Mm. And I mean, you know, that was a huge struggle. It, you know, um, it's just hard to navigate having to assign accounts for everybody, for all the account management, uh, as well as deal with like, you don't know who's coming. So um, then managing all the data inputs on the, on the side, the actual job, it feels like, well, I guess, you know, at some point you're a project manager, you're dealing with accounts as well, but it is like hard to run a giant operation managing an account for everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, on top of all of that, I'm also new. So people in the office like don't know me and they don't like know what I'm about and they don't like trust me quite yet. Right. So there's this other GIS person and they really like that person. And so it's been like really difficult to like get in there and say, Hey, I can do this too. And if you let me, I can like make products for you and I can make maps and I can like give you the support that you desperately yeah. need. Mm -hmm. Well, in the end, that's what it's all about from, from a spatial perspective, perspective of this kind of situation. It's all about understanding where supplies are, understanding where people are, and understanding where resources are, right? Yeah. And trying to bring all that together and making sure everyone has the same. It's, it's the ultimate common operational picture because this actually matters now, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you know Kirk Bull by any chance? Have you heard of that name, Rachel? Kirk, I'm sorry, say that again? Kirk Bull? No. So I... Um, I, uh, I don't typically like, like to advertise that I work for Esri, but everyone in the room seems pretty cool. I work for Esri and I've been, and I've been working almost exclusively on COVID for the last month, I feel like. And at the Colorado Department of Public Health, I've been working with Kirk Bull. He's a vital statistics program manager. Huh. You know who that is, yeah. Yep. Hmm. So. I've been working, my, my contact at Esri is this guy named Mike Wallach and Pete Gamblin. Mike Do those names? Gambling. Hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna look those people up. <laughs> Mike, They're... how do you spell Mike? How do you spell his last name? Oh, W A L A K. Here he is, right here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah he so is. Uh... So he's the guy who's getting me my licenses. Okay. Which has been a bit of a struggle. And then Pete is the guy who is like helping me with all of my ArcGIS online questions and my Arc Pro questions. And what's it's... his last name? Gambin. I actually give me a second. I'd have to look. Okay. It's Gamberg. Peter. First, first, first Peter. of all, is, is Peter, yeah. Peter Gamberg. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, you know, if you need any help, let me know. I, you know, I can put my email in the chat. If anyone needs any help as far as Esri goes, I'm pretty solid. I typically work for federal government accounts, so like CDC and stuff like that, what I'm working on now, but um, shoot me an email. I, I'd be happy to help if you have any questions awesome. or if you want anything fast track through or whatever, you know, I can definitely oh. email or phone call or whatever. So marvelous. Happy Thank help. you. That's helpful. Yeah. That's very Cherry helpful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I guess, I guess Terry dropped off too. I wanted to because I was on the class today with, with uh, Terry's online, but there he is. So Keith and Terry, you both, you guys both work in academia. How, how are your universities adapting to the COVID-19 outbreak? Everybody is not going to campus. Uh, I drove by yesterday on the way home from uh, an appointment I had in town, and mm -hmm. it, it's amazing that the parking lots are completely empty, which is an anomaly, even for, you know, Saturday afternoon, parking lots are usually somewhat full. Right. Uh, Zoom, uh, we are testing the limits of Zoom, and so far, so good. It's not broken. Um, we, our response, I think, is we, we have more meetings now than we ever did. Mm -hmm. this, but all your, all you, Terry, most of your classes are online, correct? So you didn't have to, you didn't have to shuttle everybody over to an online program. 
Uh, no, we all did. Um, so all the classes in our department and our college were uh, physical in-class classes, okay. mine included. Uh, we do have some distance ed classes, but that's sort of rare. Um, so I only, so I don't really teach. I don't have my own class. So I get three weeks, and today was the last day of the three weeks. And Todd came in and joined us as a discussant. Um, so my first day was March 23rd, which was also the first day of students starting back after spring break and the COVID crisis started, and. It just so happened that the class I have is students I've never met. So that's kind of an odd feeling. Uh, but in the last four years, I go into a classroom with this group and and have been there with them in a traditional sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I brought Todd in to give everybody an idea of what uh, analysts do in the real world. Uh, I have upper level PhD students in my classes on spatial econometrics statistics and I put a pretty heavy dose of data management, APIs, acquiring data, cleaning data uh, with automated routines and get them up and running with quantum GIS. R is our main tool. Um, but I also wanted them to realize, you know, a lot of them are going to be academics, but even if they are or not, they need to know how to operate with you know, projects for the private sector, with the government, and so forth. Mm -hmm. So appreciate Todd coming in and trying to give them some encouragement and a dose of reality. That's the idea, right? You, you got to pop the little bubbles over their heads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and honestly, right now, um, there's a lot of questions about would there be any jobs for new graduates coming out because of obvious things. Mm -hmm. I think there will be jobs, but those jobs may be more crisis management and less in uh, traditional uh, classroom teaching. Yeah, it's gonna, it's, things are gonna be weird for probably about at least a year after this thing's whole thing's over. Definitely, yeah. yeah. So, 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 so as far as I know, we're still hiring for sure. So if you have any, any potential candidates, uh, tell them to build up a resume and shoot it over to me and I can get it to the appropriate people if they're, if they're looking for work shortly after graduation. Because as far as I know, we haven't stalled or, you know, done any, anything to suspend any of the hiring operations that we've had and we're constantly hiring people. So just wanted well, to throw out that. Yeah. One of the questions I asked Todd today is, you know, a lot, a lot of these students, well, they're PhD economists, okay, uh, applied economists. And so what, what are the skill sets for any student who puts data scientist on their resume? And a lot of them are using buzzwords like that to try to attract uh, more interest. Uh, you know, traditionally, they're, they're really good statisticians uh, in our group and obviously good economists. Uh, but they're wanting to claim the title data scientist. What makes a good candidate coming out of school with that title? You have got to be able to tell a good story. So I see mm -hmm. thousands of data scientists. And I mean, it's really interesting because when the data science term came out, I was like, wait, hold on a second. I've been a data scientist for 15 years. Why, why are we rebranding me? This is very confusing. But that aside, the thing that distinguishes people and um, helps people become effective is when they're able to merge and bridge from um, talking and super geek talk, which look, we can all do that. And, and, and geek talk's not the right term, um, though it is the right term, but we can go into details of what parameters that we've used or the, the, the nitty gritties of how, because we're passionate about it, of all of the things that got us to, to the conclusion that we got to, you've got to bridge it up and you have to connect it to something else. And so what takes you to that next space, and that's really hard 
And trust me, I have not finished my dissertation for this exact reason. <laughs> and Todd and I have a conversation, having a conversation for 10 years. I just spilled beer. Is <laughs> <laughs> because you as a you know, as a PhD student in the academy, we get so deep into a thread and we start losing perspective of the larger narrative of what we're trying to connect it to. And so, so then we, and, and, and I do this as an academic and my academic life is we just go on and on and on about minutia of things. So where to get into the job space is you have to get past that, that you have to be able to do both. You have to go deep when somebody asks you, that sounds really dirty. Um, you, have to, <laughs> you have to be able to go into all of the deep technology communities, but at the same time, you have to level it up and you have to link it to something. And if you can link it to something, whether it is a mission, whether it is something that's happening in the news, whether it's something that's happening in pop culture, I'm not going to lie. I'm currently watching Animaniacs and there's so many great tech references in that. Um, but that's the thing that helps to distinguish data science folks. So then the, the next question you're going to ask Terry is you're going to be like, well, how do they show that on a resume? Well, that's where your digital profile comes in and, and all of those things are kind of linked out and linked together and you can create that dialogue off of that. So that would probably be my next thing. Yeah. Cause, cause, because your resume is not just your resume anymore, right? You have your blogs, you have your tweets, you have your GitHubs and all that kind of, shows the whole picture of the candidate. So that, that's another question because it's more than just taking a, a sticky name badge and writing data scientists and sticking it to your shirt, right? A lot of people were doing that for a while. Um, I do like the idea of, of uh, some sort of evidence and you know, a lot of grad students without any experience in the real world, the best that they have to show for it is maybe a publication, their dissertation and so forth, their thesis. Um, and we didn't really talk about GitHub too much today in my class, but I did show the students my GitHub site that I've been trying to build up for that very reason, trying to, you know, attract some contract work and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's good, the, the, the digital resume of sorts, the portfolio. Yeah, and people can understand who you are, but from your, like, your blog and your tweets and everything else, that, 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 that takes you light years ahead of everybody else, right? Because when you walk into a room, they feel like they already know you. Yeah. And and it, does it actually align with industry too? I know that's another thing that I've run into with academia where, you know, they kind of have their view of things, which isn't really what, you know, private sector or agencies or other folks are actually working with or even capable of working with in some cases. Um, and also there's, there's no universally accepted, you know, I know with GIS, there was a GIS and T body of knowledge. There's no such thing in the data science space in academia that I'm aware of. I know a lot of academics have kind of talked about it around it. You know, it's like everybody has a slightly different view of it. You know, is it, uh, you know, is it the statistics part, uh, you know, machine learning, how much is, you know, weight do you put into different things, data engineering? You know, I was just wrangling with a data set right before this that, you know, my computer basically froze up for an hour and a half then I realized oh I'm trying to uh, I'm, I'm exceeding the threshold of what I can do with the data in this structure so, you know quick I had to kind of refactor my code and boom now it works um, you know a lot of those kinds of things that you know are kind of the practical applied data science knowledge you know it's it's one thing to say okay I brought in scikit-learn I did yada yada whatever but is it actually statistically valid does it make sense is it explainable there's, there's so many layers to the onion that, you know, I think would be good to kind of lay out and organize in a better way than, you know, most of what I learned is just kind of accreted over the years, you know? Yeah, it's, 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 all, it's, all, it's all scars, right? It's all scar tissue. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I was- Yeah, I, how do we spare yeah. the next guy that pain of the scar tissue <laughs> and help them get to where they need to be? Yeah. There, there's, one, there's one story I wanted to share Terry's class today and I didn't, um, it was, um, I asked somebody to send me a, to send me an Excel spreadsheet with things tabulized across uh, things uh, on a tab on the bottom. So it could uh, just to sort it out a little better. And what they put in their tabs were screenshots of the others, of the other Excel sheds, of the other Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. And I've <laughs> never, I've never wanted to kill anyone in my life. Like really until that point. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. so uh, let's kind of get back on track. 
Kiri and, and Keith, you both work at libraries, correct? You work at, I know Keith works at Cornell, and you work at uh, University of Arizona in the place where people punch people in the airport, Kerry, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. that, that's what I know about Tucson from Family Guy. So, that sounds great. <laughs> so how are you guys adapting to the COVID stuff? I mean, because I know you guys still have to, pr to provide data to your customers, you still, uh, to, the, to the students and academia. So how are you guys, how are you guys dealing with this whole thing? I'll let Carrie go first. <laughs> uh, I had to like cancel all of my spring outreach events and um, adjust to working at life, working at home. Um, but I guess, um, you know, I'm still like holding office hours and responding to people like asking for help with their like, you know, finding data and stuff for their school projects. Um, but then I'm also getting tapped. I think my my list right now is I have like four separate like COVID related projects where people are like asking me for help for some map related or data related thing or another um, at this point in time. So given my limited ability to do work right now, um, just time-wise, uh, I have a lot of different things going on. Mm -hmm. And Keith and Jonathan, how are you guys, how is your guys' universities dealing with this whole thing? Yeah, so I've been working from home for like the last four weeks. I don't know if it was, Carrie, were you, have you been working from home this whole time? I know you tweeted something recently about the, um, there were some staff doing some things at the library to make certain physical materials available and that just ended. Yeah, I've been home for like exactly four weeks now, okay. but um, we like fully 100% closed the library. Yeah, the first this week. Yeah, the first week I was home, there were, um, you know, some of the staff was there to, to help people, you know, they would fetch materials and like leave them outside in a bag for people to come pick up that sort of thing. Um, but that only lasted a week before everything kind of got shut down. Um, I've actually been pretty much as busy as usual dealing with questions, mostly from grad students who are still in Ithaca and, you know, didn't go home. They have their apartments. They want to keep doing their grad research. Um, so they're, they're moving on. Most of them, I think most of them were probably using QGIS. Um, and, you know, so they didn't have any problems with like accessing the ESRI license that are in our computer labs that are no longer available, um, you know, in, on site, that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, classes just started again on Monday. Um, it's been kind of quiet this week compared to the, the previous weeks, though, so I'm not sure what that means. Uh, hey. <laughs> hey. Hey, guys, I just wanted to say that I'm almost 100% positive, and I can double check this, but I'm pretty sure Esri is allowing a lot of free stuff for COVID-related material. Mm -hmm. So if you guys are having issues with licensing or getting access to products or whatever, shoot me an email. I put it in the chat and I can definitely get with the correct people in order to, you know, help you guys out for sure. Cause I, I think that, you know, I definitely don't think there are a lot of people within, within the actual company that is understanding that, you know, that, that you guys are having issues. Right. So um, there was a, there was a other. blog post floating around. Oh, you go ahead. No, I was going to say, there's probably other um, uh, interesting freebies at the moment, too. One was uh, came up the other day. It was uh, GIS Inc. has uh, the uh, de-identification and uh, masking tool. Uh, so if you have data that's, you know, PII or, you know, HIPAA sensitive or things like that, you know, that's supposed to make it easier to be able to, you know, filter out, you know, de-identify it and make it, you know, shareable with other partners to the, to the extent that it can be you know, given the HIPAA and everything else. Yeah, absolutely. So mm -hmm. just shoot me an email or, you know, chat me on mm -hmm. Twitter or anything like that. And I'd be happy to help you guys out with anything. So yeah. this whole yeah. COVID thing literally gives me free reign to help out with anyone that has anything with COVID. So. And, and as I'm a Copa for my part, uh, I, I bash Esri as like part of my job. <laughs> That's totally fine. <laughs> Believe me, I, I 100% no, no, but, no, but you guys, but I've been working with Matt Perry and the other Matt from the insurance group for the past couple of weeks of getting getting S done. Actually, I can say shit done. And those guys have been fucking stellar. Yeah. 
Yeah, just like, what do you need? How fast do you need it? You know? Yeah. So no complaints sure. from this, no complaints this time. So Jonathan, how's your university been dealing with the whole COVID thing? So I have a unique perspective because I work in both uh, kind of the environmental science department as well as residential life. Um, mm -hmm. So my position is uh, basically I look after students at a field station. Um, I have 14 kids that stay there full time. Um, so I teach, I teach a section of intro to GIS and then also do all the res life stuff. Um, the way that the university has been responding is kind of basically just following all of the, the CDC guidelines. So a CDC guideline comes out and then the next day the, the college does what exactly the, the CDC is saying. Um, so we, we shut down, um, we moved, we extended our spring break. Um, and then we're going to do only two weeks of online. Um, and then after that, come back and finish the rest of the semester. Um, and then like a day into our um, first week of online classes, they, they moved completely on online. Um, they've been talking about doing a remote graduation for all the seniors. Um, and we only have eight students that are staying on campus right now. Um, my partner and I live on campus. We both work in res life and, our housing is provided for by, by the college. Um, so we take a lot of walks around an empty, empty campus. Um, somebody was saying earlier that like they walked past the, the parking lot and it was completely empty. That's oh, sorry. what it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just cause I have a friend, she teaches that. Well, she's not teaches. She does a, she's the honors person at Merrimack university up here in Massachusetts. And they sent their students away to spring break when all the stuff before the stuff happened. They gave them two weeks of spring break. When they came back, everybody had to pack out of the dorms. They were all online after that. Yeah. So there's been a lot of um, a lot of issues with that, as far as I as far as I can see. I teach on I teach online at Northeastern. Northeastern, mm -hmm. the the Northeastern physical plant. They were like, "We'll put your stuff in storage. We'll put your stuff out. You just can't come back to the dorms." So they're being really stand up to the students and stuff. So I, I really appreciate that about Northeastern. Um, yeah. Harvard hasn't been the greatest of their students. They've been like crashing in basements and stuff. Yeah. Anyway. We, we let most of our students come back, um, provided that they didn't have direct exposure or live within like a hotspot. Like all, all of our students from New York City were advised not to come back. Um, but we, we have about 1,000 students and probably about 750 to 800 of them came back retrieve their belongings before the stay-at-home orders were in effect in Pennsylvania. Um, so we still have like 200 kids that still have belongings in their rooms. Um, but yeah, hopefully they don't have spoiled milk in their, in their fridges. <laughs> well, I know how they feel because when I moved out here, I, when I moved to Massachusetts from Denver, I put everything in a pod. Yeah. And I expected a longer time period. So now all my stuff's in the pod and my kid and I are living off like Amazon furniture. So it's a little rough. <laughs> so Mike, you're apparently at, at Wayne Manor. Um, how's, how's life? How's life in the Minneapolis in the uh, Minnesota state government these days? Are things are things crazy? Are things adapting well? What's going on? Um, can you guys hear me okay? My microphone was uh, not happy when I first came on. Stuffed in beer. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely it. All right, I'll take that as an indication that. You guys can hear me. And, and speaking of beer, um, I can't tell you the juiciest bits about what's going on in the Minnesota State Government. So you're getting some of that Weld County loving, aren't you? Uh, I am. Um, let's just say that um, I have helped the Department of Health. So if you look at the Department of Health's webpage on COVID uh, for Minnesota, I helped them set up the county map and it's just a county car left. I mean, you know, before I helped them, it was a JPEG. So, um, you know, it's, uh, and they, they think they're going to move to, uh, I think I've convinced them and they're going to move to, uh, um, to population adjusted uh, rates uh, soon now. There's a lot more cases. There's, there's hundreds of cases in the, uh, 
in the metro counties now. So, um, but the, uh, the the state dashboard um, that the Department of Public Safety is doing, um, I have not helped with. And um, yeah, so uh, there's there's not uh, there's not uh, as much collaboration as I would prefer. So with the Department of Education, who I support, um, you know, all the school districts have gone online, you know, for distance learning. Uh, the governor did uh, a, a two-week, I think it was, uh, originally uh, stay-at-home thing, and now and now it's extended through May 4th. So, mm -hmm. uh, so all the kids are online, all distance learning. All three of my kids are, they all have Chromebooks from the district, and they're doing that stuff. So the Department of Education has been doing a lot of work helping with that, and also like, you know, my big thing right now is uh, making sure that uh, childcare facilities that uh, can be uh, can help emergency workers are discoverable by uh, different places, and uh, the department is going to be uh, shepherding some grants, some federal grants to those childcare facilities. So they actually came to me with a legit good reason to use GIS to know the proximity to. Um, to those emergency care facilities for every, for every, or emergency facilities like nursing homes and hospitals and so on, uh, the proximity uh, to those for childcare centers. So that's that's what I did today, and uh, I used both Esri tools and uh, and uh, so, you know, I, I I did the hybrid thing. <laughs> did, did you see where um where Regina released her new uh, post just book today? I did see that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah. I, I, I've been giving her Patreon money for a while, so. Nice. Very cool. I wish I, I was still using PostgreSQL and PostGIS, but uh, I have to have to, you know, go to war with the, the armor that I have and using SQL Server lately. So. Yeah, does yeah. I, I feel I feel your pain with that. Yeah, it it, it mostly does what I need it to do, so it works. Mm -hmm. So we have NERP, we have had a new person show up about 38 minutes in. David, you just showed up. What's your story? Not Dave Smith, but you have to unmute, David. It's kind of late for Zoom. I don't know. Sorry. No, it's, 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 actually, this is early for Zoom. Yeah, it's true. Uh, this you is David Foster Zoom, Tom. from uh, Twin Cities. Great. Yep. So, Dave, what, let's start. Let's, let's start with what, what? What? What are you drinking? Um, this is we got a local del a delivery from the uh, local brewery Wild Mind. They mm -hmm. do some good wild yeast sour kind of stuff mm -hmm. and trying to keep them alive. So where are you then? Minneapolis. Oh, so you're, so you're one of Mike's, Mike's cohorts. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Cool. Yep. Yeah, and, I, and those guys. Yeah. I have a, I have a, I have a soft spot in my heart for Psycho Susie's. <laughs> so I like to, I like to go to Minneapolis just to go to a bar and then leave. <laughs> go do the, uh, go around the merry-go-round of the Ferris wheel and, no, I just I just like going and drinking at tiki bars. That's my that's my shtick. <laughs> so 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 how's so, what so where, where where do you work? I work for the state also, mm -hmm. and I am at the well. I'm at it at the it org, but at the pollution control agency, mm -hmm. and um, so we support the biologists and um, air quality scientists and people like that who are. Um, doing samples like ambient sampling, uh, assessing the waters of the state, uh, cleaning up contaminated sites, things like that. Cool. So, and how is COVID-19 affecting your work or is it? Um, I moved my whole team remote <laughs> a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I loaned one of my team members out to the, um, to Mingio, the state, um, the kind of central group that where Mike used to work. Um, to build the initial dashboard before Homeland Security um, took that whole thing over. So state Homeland Security or like state? Okay, so it's not, it wasn't the feds. No. Okay. Yeah, no. We have uh, Minnesota has um, a, uh, a division within the Department of Public Safety called Homeland Security Emergency Management, or HSEM, as we like to call mm -hmm. it. And uh, you know. Most state agencies like like NPCA uh, that David works for and the Department of Education that I work for they they operate as as a uh, fairly cohesive um, 
unit. Um, the Minnesota Department of Public Safety is an exception to that. <laughs> their, uh, their, their divisions of uh, Homeland Security, Emergency Management, um, the Minnesota State Patrol, uh, their Office of Pipeline Safety, uh, the U Driver and Vehicle Services, you name it, they, uh, they, each one of them thinks of themselves as their own silo. And so uh, it's, it's a unique situation. So I'm sorry, uh, David, uh, who did you lend over to you? I was just out of curiosity. What's that? Who did you lend to Mingio? Uh, Matt went over there for about a week. Oh, that's right. That's right. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, our uh, state uh, geographic information office is really, um, you know, the, the group that, from, from my perspective, should be coordinating the response for, for COVID um, in tight uh, uh, co cooperation with the Department of Health. And, uh, you know, but I guess it is, it is an emergency as well. It's a peacetime emergency. So uh, there's a little bit of like a tug of war going on about who's in charge and who should be doing what. And, you know, you, you definitely don't want everybody doing the same thing. So, so it's, it's good that in some ways that people are drawing some lines and saying, this is what I should do. This is what we should do. The interesting news item today was that apparently MDH is going to be, has been asked to share addresses of people with confirmed cases with the with law enforcement so whoa they'll know they'll know before they knock on your door wow but, is, but isn't that a hipaa violation then i don't know that is that is definitely a hipaa violation <laughs> for that's sure not, like that's trust me yeah I, I you know i can't i'm not supposed to tell people i have flesh eating bacteria all the time and i, I can't imagine that right <laughs> right but are, haven't some hipaa laws been suspended recently for the uh for the pandemic, I mean, depends on who you know. Yeah. Or whether they've been lawfully suspended, <laughs> who knows? <what's laughs> well, right now, because uh, so not to go off on a tangent, but it's like, you know, the whole concept of like laws are kind of out the window at this point, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are laws, and we know we have to follow them, but I don't know that a governor has the power to tell us all shelter in place. <laughs> I mean, I'll follow that because I don't want my kid to die, and I would not like to be hooked up to a ventilator again. Yeah. Sorry, I'm throwing my beers away. I'm like, I'm like uh, about nine into a like, to a half case of Mildello. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's do a roundtable. What is the first thing you're going to do when this shit's over? <laughs> I'm just going to go to a sushi bar put down the menu and go, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a good plan. Yeah. I'm, I'm, all the sushi. Yeah, I'm going to go to a ramen place and, and just eat. And just, because yeah. I miss, that's probably the, the one thing I miss the most is going out to eat. Like, getting food to my house is fun and mm -hmm. fine, but there's something nice about leaving my house and going out and enjoying a meal. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. Also, I really miss eating out for breakfast. Oh, I miss, yeah, like daily Starbucks. Yeah, or like yeah. pancakes <laughs> and sausage and eggs. I mean, I can make all that stuff in my own house, but there's something awesome about going to a diner and getting like, you know. I'm just tired of making on, food. Waited on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> also, also that. <laughs> so, Keith, what's the first thing you're going to do when you get them when the scraps over? You know, I'm thinking, I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe I'm just getting used to this. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to get used to this. It's cook at home, so it's 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 yeah. But going out to a nice restaurant would be good. Mm -hmm. Not having to worry about being too close to people. Oh, that'll be nice. Actually, I, no, scratch that. I like I like the social distancing thing. I went to Trader <laughs> I went to Trader Joe's last week, and there were 20 people in the store at a time. It's all they could allow in, right? I'm like this is the best trader just experience I've ever had, and it took yeah. the pandemic to have this happen. <laughs> so, Kiri, what's the first thing you're gonna do? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to go, yeah, go out to eat to some of our favorite places again. Um, I think more it's like with my kids it'd be great to have, like, have play dates and have them see their friends again. Because mm -hmm. um, that's been kind of hard. Maybe, maybe, uh, 
take a summer a summer trip if we can or whenever we can fly again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I want to go to the beach this summer at some point, like go back to Rehoboth, but I think the odds of that are kind of slim. Yeah, I wanted to go to back to Oregon after graduating so that I could like actually take a break. Um, but now I don't know if that'll happen. It's a big one for us too, is getting out, being able to travel, you know, see relatives, family. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm one of the more introvert type that's like, well, this is fine. <laughs> What's so different, you know? I can do this forever. But, uh, but no, it, it does. It's much better being able to get out. I do, I do not miss having to commute to campus because I have like a 25 minute commute. I oh. absolutely <laughs> do not miss that one bit. I agree with you on that. So, Jeffrey, what's the first thing you're going to do when this thing's over? Uh, I'd say I'm going to start licking the grocery store, the actual, <laughs> <laughs> all the grocery carts at Walmart again. Oh my god! But uh, I am. I'm a huge hockey fan. I'm out here in Denver, so I love going to Avs games. So yes, that's probably realistically what I'm going to wind up doing. So yes, <laughs> it, 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 but there's not there's not an NHL. So that'll be next year, though, right? That'll be next season. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't heard anything. I haven't really been paying attention either. I've been working like constantly, so I don't I don't even know what's going on with the NHL right now. So to show my nerd my nerdness about the NHL, what they've been doing is they've been playing the games on Twitch. On Twitch, <laughs> they, they, they get two. They get two players. One from like, oh. just, just say let's just you know like um, the Caps and the Penguins, right? Yeah. And they play against each other on Twitch with their teams on NHL 2020. That's so funny. <laughs> it's oh amazing. For real? God. <laughs> oh my god. If that's a real thing, I, mean, I need to sign up for Twitch because that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, tw- no, no, tw- Twitch is Twitch is my because the only sport I give a shit about. Well, that's not true. Uh, the only sh- the only sport I give crap about this in an arena is hockey. So I've been following it kind of. I've been trying to figure out what they're doing with it. That seems to be partially what they're doing with it, though. Yeah, I saw a really funny tweet about uh, two or three weeks ago that said, um, you know, it, when things are normal, that every league should play one secret game uh-huh. a year. All the players sign an NDA about what happened, <laughs> right? And then you get to air that game, you know, when this kind of thing comes up. I thought that was a brilliant idea. <laughs> but that is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mike, I talked to Space Camp, and they are allowing people to push their tuition to 2021. Very cool. We're, we're fully prepared to, to make that decision probably in the middle of next month, if not. Actually, if probably earlier than that, probably the first week of next month. We have a vacation tied to it, so we uh, will probably... We'll probably do, be doing that for um, my middle guy. Uh, he was getting pretty excited about it, and uh, we'll probably have to do that in 2021, and then we'll do our, mm-hmm. our vacation. But it's our it's our 20th uh, wedding anniversary this year, and that was the vacation that we had planned around that, was that we were going to fly down with them and then drive to New Orleans or something like that at, uh, um, you know, while he was at camp that uh, it would be. It's you know it's it's a it's a biblical it's a biblical pandemic, um, yeah. you know. So Jonathan, what's what's the first thing you want to do when the thing's over? Can you go get a guess, stick? Oh no, <laughs> um, I guess in keeping with the the sports. So um, I was lucky enough to be down in Florida with the, the scuba diving club right before all this shit went down, oh. and um, cool. we were yeah we, it was just two other students and I uh, scuba diving for a week. Um, and then we had to rush back to Pennsylvania. Um, but when I was there, I got to go to a Philly spring training game. Um, I had huge Phillies fan, grew up um, Phillies Flyers fan. Um, and I'd love to go back to a baseball game, you know, any, any baseball game. It doesn't matter who, who's playing, but I want to see a baseball game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. Yeah, because I know we we have a we have a yearly outing to um to, to Fenway Park to Fenway, and that's been canceled this year. So it's like, I mean, I'm not I'm not a big baseball fan because, well, that's not true. I like going to baseball games just to get drunk and hang out with my friends. 
you know, there's something happening on the field. That's fine. Right. But I don't care. <laughs> the social aspect, yeah. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm all about the social aspect of, of baseball because I like that. Because mm-hmm. Matt Stadium in DC is like the perfect stadium for me because it's all the restaurants I like in DC. Mm-hmm. I can just go to different places and like get microbreweries and like you know a half smoke or something or like a crab cake sandwich or whatever. Mm-hmm. That was um, pretty pretty freaking magical though if you think about it, right? Yeah, I know. I, I actually saying I I, uh, I realized my my um my transition was complete when I was like singing Sweet Caroline in my head the other day on the tee, right before a woman <laughs> sneezed in my face. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of fun. <laughs> oh we've all we've all succumbed to the Jewish Elvis at one point or not. Silas went away. Silas is just showing his background now. Silas, you there? Phasing in and out of another dimension. Mm-hmm. Silas. <laughs> Silas. I'm Silas. looking at his background. I, my stepbrother's down in the Virgin Islands for all of this. And he's a big diver. Maybe that's what I should do after all of this. Go down and visit him. <laughs> I've, I've got a buddy who's trapped in Moscow. Oh. And he's like, he's just like held up in like this really small crappy hotel room. Right, getting takeout food and just kind of trying to survive, because the Russians are just—they're not dealing with this well. Because they call—they call it a West—they call it the UK, the English virus, yeah. and they're building and they're building massive, massive hospitals for all the all their new pneumonia patients. Yeah, they're calling it all, every case pneumonia. I, yeah, I, it's, it's pneumonia, right? Yeah, they had a massive spike in pneumonia. They don't have a COVID problem; they have a pneumonia problem. So, so they, they call it the UK virus, so you're saying that they're just as racist as we are, just in a different way, right? They're fucking Russians, yes, they're just <laughs> yeah. as racist as we are. So, war story time. I was in Moscow in 91 with a bunch of buddies, and one guy was black. We're on the, we're on the metro oh in Moscow, going between two places. This guy walks up to my buddy Dave, tries to wipe the black off his face. Yeah, they're bad. Yeah, yeah I had a friend is uh, Moroccan. They would give him shit. Uh, Turks. Oh my god. They just... uh, don't yeah, Russians. Russians are. I had a Russian live with my family for uh, about two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, of, one of the loudest individuals I ever, I ever met. So, uh, I feel like Silas is in that scene from the from Justice League where the Flash is trying to talk to Bruce Wayne. That, that might be a really deep. That might be a really deep cut. <laughs> you, you keep mentioning Bruce Wayne and Wayne Manor. You're saying that that my my background looks like Batcave. It looks very posh, is what it looks like, Mike. <laughs> Does the bookcase turn around, Mike? I'm a lucky man. As far as you know, it doesn't turn around. <laughs> I mean, you you have like this great rock facade. You have like you know. Tchotchkes on the side of the walls. Very swanky. Very yeah. swanky. You have that old hotel. You have that whole old telephone. And you pull the top off. It, it presents with the Batcave to fight yes. all the crime in, to fight all the crime in Minneapolis. Yeah. <laughs> and a ukulele. And a ukulele. <laughs> we got Silas back. Silas, where? Silas, where are you? Silas. Silas. That was By his way, plan after all of this. He went to the beach. He, he skipped out early. That's what it is. <laughs> he, he was dressed for it, that's for sure. Okay. By the way, Mike, congrats on that new album. Thank you. Thank you very much. And that's uh, what I was, uh, if, if I uh, got a chance uh, in the, uh, the, round, the round. <laughs> oh, yeah, bring, bring, I was going to say that uh, um, you know, I hope that uh, one of the first things I get to do is to go out on on stage and uh, celebrate the release of the of the new album here. That uh, it was supposed to come out last. Nice. Month. We were supposed to celebrate it last week, uh, last Saturday, and um, you know, uh, it's kind of kind of a bummer to not uh, be able to do that. We had a big thing planned. Um, you know, one of the one of the larger venues in town. We were hoping to, to fill or get close to filling, and um, you know, larger for a band like us. You know, not uh, not ginormous, but um, so five guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, the five guys and their friends that they started with the restaurant. <laughs> so 
Um, we were pretty excited, and we got it rescheduled for July 10th. But uh, you know, who knows if that's even going to be uh, a real. Is there, is there a URL we could pimp on the on the um, uh, on the website? Yeah, um, yeah, jbellmusic.com. I think is uh, that there. Jbellmusic.com. Yeah, jbellmusic.com, and uh, you know, this I'm really proud of this one because there's a song that I co-wrote on here as well. So. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really happy with the way this record came out, and I'm hoping that at some point I'll get to celebrate it in person with people. So, and I can you pop that website into the chat? J-Bell, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Which song that. did you co-write? Um, I co-wrote a song called uh, Keep Hope Alive, and uh, it's uh, kind of a... That's not relevant at all. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> ah, yes. it's, a, it's a song that I actually started writing looking at maps. So, um, you know, I was, uh, I had this idea that, that I could uh, write a concept album about a different um, town in every state. Right? And so I thought, well, I'll start looking at some maps for some inspiration. And I came across this really small town called Hope. And um, I looked at the in the town, and uh, it's too bad Carrie's uh, not here because she might might actually know this town. But I looked at what was in the town, and I was like, "That's not where hope lives. That's where hope goes to die." And that's and that was the hook to the to the song. And I, I wrote uh, the verses to and the uh, bridge to the song. And um, Jay Bell, who's the lead singer and lead songwriter and guitar player in the band, he wrote the the, uh, the chorus. And uh, it's a cool rocker if you um, like. Um, the refreshments, um, or yeah, yeah, refreshments. Not, not the replacements. I know David Foster loves the replacements. It's not really like a replacement song. It's like a refreshment song. If you like them, um, it's kind of a bad vibe. Is it a different hope than where the man's from? Where Clinton's from? Oh yeah, no, it wasn't Hope, Alabama, or, or no, Arkansas, Hope, Arkansas. It wasn't Hope, Arkansas. So no, yeah, oh yeah, I forgot, I forgot that. So yeah, showing my age. Right, right. No, I remember, <laughs> I, I remember that too. That was that was really special. <laughs> so, so I guess I guess Mike, your next assignment is to figure out the the the, the town Effingham, and how does that work in the fest? Nice. <laughs> Effingham is a great, great town. I mean, that's that's you don't you don't live down being from Effingham. That's that's in where? That's in Massachusetts. No, there's yeah. uh, there's four. There's oh, one there's in Ma there's, there's one in Massachusetts. There's one in Vermont. There is one in Illinois, and there is one in Idaho. I think I Ben Folds wrote a song about Effington. Effingham. Effingham. Um, okay. Well, there's a song he that he it. calls Effington off of, and he it was a it was a duet between him and um somebody else I can't remember the name, but anyway, Ben Folds did a version of that. Uh, okay. ben, ben Folds is a master storyteller, and uh, I uh, I heard a story from from a guy named Glenn Phillips who is the lead singer for Troublous Rocket. And he wrote a song on one of his solo albums that, based entirely on a story that he heard from Ben Folds. And, wow. uh, and, and the story goes is when Ben Folds, would, I think you probably all know that Ben Folds grew up as a, as a redneck. I hope I can go on a tangent. Is that okay? Yeah. Can we do a tangent? So Ben Folds kind of grew up in a redneck town, right? And his dad always hated the neighbor's dog. Right. So when he was barely old enough to reach the steering wheel, his dad was drunk and said, drive me next door. I'm going to shoot that damn dog. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so Glenn, Glenn Phillips wrote a song called Drive By, which is all about the, uh, the drive by situation of shooting the, the neighbor's dog with your dad. You know, you're driving, you're, you're a teenager, your dad's driving, your dad is drunk, and he's going to shoot the neighbor's dog. It's 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 uh, it's hilarious and depressing all at the same time. I saw Yikes. Ben Folds play piano once, and I got to stand behind him where I could get to see him play the piano. I thought it was the best thing in the world. He just he ah uh, the way he just plays that piano with those keys. Wow. I, I believe that he's he's quite the individual. 
Uh huh. Yeah. Okay, folks. I appreciate all your time. We put we put an hour in, so. Well, not everybody but Mike and Dave, they they did the whole the whole Scandinavian slackiness of showing up forty minutes late and just slashing in. I'll admit it, I, I couldn't figure <laughs> out where, I couldn't figure out where the Zoom link was. So. Send <laughs> so, an email. <laughs> What's your Yahoo account? Why do you have a Yahoo account, Mike? I have I have eleven I have eleven different email accounts and uh, and and it's I couldn't find it in my Yahoo account so I looked and really uh, yeah it's probably my fault though I mean like I said uh, way too many email accounts so I also put it on Twitter so that's where I eventually found it. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't anybody else want to do a roundtable though well somebody must be dying to say what they what they want to do before they when this is done. I think we covered everybody because Dave, did you say, did you say what you wanted to do when this is not over? I think you're the only one who didn't. Um, not, that, I mean, not, not, yeah, not, not Dave Smith, the Dave from Minneapolis. Oh, he's faucet. Um, <laughs> yeah, I want to definitely want some ramen. Um, I definitely, you know, we, I don't live too far from the lakes in the city and all the paths and they're way too crowded. It's like, you know, um, droplet city flying around. And so, I've been avoiding the lake paths and things like that, so I can't wait to do some of that. Um, my dad's in a like a memory care thing, and I can't go see him, so that kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, so I can do some FaceTime, so I'm kind of excited to be able to get get over there and see him. But um, yeah, just get out and eat some food outside and yeah. enjoy the summer. Yeah. Supposed to be in Hawaii last week, that didn't happen, so <laughs> I'd like to make it there. And 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 in their defense, they don't want you there either. No, no, they don't. <laughs> no, no. So, anybody got any humble brags or anything before we wrap up? Jeffrey, you have anything you want to brag about? No, I mean, we developed that um, we we put the chime model for COVID into a GP tool recently, and that's and that's all open. So, I was a huge part of that. So, if you guys haven't right. used that yet or checked it out, please please do yeah. so. And that's a specific SIR model for COVID and using spatial stats. You can put in hospital, you know, mm -hmm. like, like how many people were on the hospital. There's a lot of data that's required, but the output is awesome. So if you guys if you guys wanted to, if you guys want to check that out, I tweeted that out. I'm, I'm at GIS underscore dog. So. Yeah. Um, I saw that uh, Lauren Bennett put out a video on YouTube yeah. on that chime model. That, I, yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah, she is a she is an animal, man. She is top notch for sure. Yeah, like absolutely. animal as in Muppet or animal like in Cheetah. <laughs> cheetah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it seems like I can't yeah. get away from Lauren Bennett because I I'm trying to finish up that uh, spatial <laughs> spatial data science MOOC. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Pretty good because you know they do. I I mean I've been to some of their sessions at the conference and they do such a great job of you know explaining some of the concepts and you know packaging things up nicely and so but um but yeah no in terms of COVID it's for me it's been like cats and dogs you know I know guys were talking about supplies earlier and like that's one of the things I've been you know playing with is uh there's this massive uh data system at Customs Border Protection called ACE Automated Commercial Environment and uh it yeah. tracks all of the imports and exports coming in and out of the country and so some of these are regulated by EPA you know if it's um you know, like Clorox wipes and, you know, things like that. There are some that, that are, you know, need to be at least checked out. And, you know, we're, so we've been kind of sifting through the data, finding out, you know, are there import brokers who are just screwing up, misfiling stuff on critical, you know, disinfectants and, you know, hospital supplies and things like that that are regulated and, you know, getting a hold of them and trying to figure out how to troubleshoot that. Um, so that's been part of it, um, you know, and then also just kind of finding all the anomalies of, people that are sneaking things in without properly declaring it without the proper paperwork and, you know, trying to figure out, it's like, okay, well, you know, how do we solve some of these issues, you know, cause we don't want to be the bottleneck obviously, but uh, you know, trying to make sure that nobody's bringing anything in that's unsafe as well. So it's a lot of cats and dogs, but that, that one in particular has been consuming a lot of my time, but uh, yeah. Okay. Mike, you have anything to brag about? I think I already did that. But uh, for putting this together. No, no problem. And congrats on the 20, Mike. I'll, I'll be there in yeah. August, I think. So. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Thanks. I, I'm so happy being divorced. The best <laughs> thing ever. 
<laughs> Dave Fossey, you got anything to brag about before we lock, before we log off? No, I don't think so. I caught um, Kurt Mankey and uh, Hans's latest installment for their QGS for Hydro thing nice. tonight. Um, they do a they do an awesome job. I've I've, I've played around with it a little bit the Hydro stuff, following Hans's other videos, and you can do some pretty cool stuff. Okay. Yes. Speaking of that, in post JAS, actually, I was talking to somebody earlier today about they're trying to figure out a you know better way to wrangle catchment data and pull in other modeling and and you know as they're trying to do it i'm like dude put it into post js <laughs> so, speaking of regina that was the yeah. exact conversation post js do it there <laughs> that's where you need to be so yeah. I'll, I'll keep pushing on that one but hopefully uh, we can do something cool with that then with the crunchy data services i mean you can just mm. pump it all out right away sweet yeah Silas is missing. He's apparently on the beach. <laughs> and, and Yanni can't talk because he, he has four, he has three under 10 year olds in the next room. And it's like 5 a.m. in Finland. So he can't talk. So, so oh Jonathan, do you have any humble brags left or are you, are you good? Nah. Uh, You're good? Cats. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm good. Okay. Wait, can I switch the camera? Yeah. Kitty's sleeping now. <laughs> I guess my humble brag is that I prevented the cat and dog from killing each other today. So that's the important thing. <laughs> yeah, that is an important thing. Okay, so wrapping this up. Um, so today, I just last thing, Tony Quattro from Spatial Networks retired from space or moved on from Spatial Networks to go do his was it global research initiative thing. Mm-hmm. But TQ's yeah. been um, TQ's been a I wouldn't say an idol of mine, but he's been a, he's been definitely a north star of keeping it real and keeping it going forward. Mm-hmm. And he's really changed our industry in a number of ways. And he's and I hope he keeps pushing forward and keeps and keeps being himself because that's who we need in this business. We don't need you know I've, I'm always a big advocate of you know going outside the box, but he just doesn't just go outside the box. He blows up the box, burns it to the ground, and goes find something else to do, right? So, I, you know, <laughs> fair, fair seas and good sales for Tony Q going forward, let's hope. Yep. Anyway, I appreciate all your time, and I appreciate you guys hanging out with me on a Friday night, like at 9 o'clock. Yep. Or wherever, we're going to some t- bourbon for you. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever time it is where you live. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'll put the, and I'll I'll kind of edit this up a little bit and clean up a bit a tad and put it up on the website in a couple of days. Nice. Okay. Everybody, cool. stay safe and wash your fucking hands. <laughs> All right. Take care. You too. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.